Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Don't want to be all by myself in Dallas, all by my... At any moment, you can feel free to join in. I was just... If you wanted to. With each note that you pretend you can hit, and you're just dragging this podcast down. Well, I, I didn't think that was that bad, actually. I thought it sounded pretty good in my headphones. Well, you're no, you're no crooner, Joe. You're no... You know, Harry Connick Jr., or another crooner. Okay, you've insulted me for the last time. So I'm going to try something new. I've, I When I listened back to the podcast last week, I kept hearing, like, my mic, it wasn't really skipping, but it would, like, kind of max out. I think I'm talking too close to the microphone, so I've taken a step back. Um, I should have asked you how the audio sounded before, but you know that we don't prepare for these things, so no, I'm assuming it sounds fine. Um, I was singing, sadly, because this is day two. Three. This is day three without Matt Zuccarello, and each day I don't. I'm not exaggerating when I say this has been darker than the last. Him being traded, Lundqvist crying, and then Zuccarello being hurt, uh, and is now out for four weeks with a clean break of his arm, which he's getting surgery on. Um, Welcome to Bantering the Blue Shirts. My name is Joe Fortunato. I'm joined, as always, by Michael Murphy. We do a two-show-a-week New York Rangers podcast, and this podcast is the flagship show. This is the first time that I've ever kind of perused through the questions for the off-the-post Q&A show, and it's a lot of what we've expected. So this show is going to be a little bit more meat and bones, maybe, just about the trades themselves and... You know, a few things, uh, and then we'll go, obviously, a little bit deeper into the questions you so guys have the in the q The other show is going to be sinew and skin and organs and awful. Well, now you've made, you've just made it so much worse. I'm just, I'm just talking about anatomy here. I, see, I was going to say, like, meat and potatoes for the other one. Well, you, well, you said meat and bones. Yeah, Both well, there's more, there could be meat. meat no, of course they can. Is there that much meat? I guess yeah, there is that, well, for, with this fucking trade deadline, there's that much meat. So how does that sound? The 2019 NHL trade deadline. Yes, right, there is that much meat. There, there, there is double the meat. Um, overall thoughts, Michael? Um, I don't know. I, I feel like... I don't know is such a great answer for a podcast. I feel like, like you... Keep listening you might, to us, folks. We don't I'm know. Trying. I'm trying, Joe. I have a nice cat on my lap. I'm happy. Franklin the robot? Yeah, Franklin's on my lap. The robot? Um, my biggest takeaway is underwhelmed, but I'm trying to be fair and ask myself, 
Why am I underwhelmed? Am I underwhelmed because I expected more back in the Zuccarello trade? Kinda. Um, I understand that they can both become first-round picks because it's a conditional second and a conditional third, uh, which can become Dallas's first uh, in the upcoming draft and then their first uh, in the following draft in, if the conditions are met, which is Dallas wins the first two rounds and Zuccarello plays in over 50% of those games. And for the 2020 pick, it's if Zuccarello resigns. I would think, Joe, I would rather have a very good prospect and a second round pick than the uh, than have this kind of uncertainty, especially because I think Dallas winning two rounds is really unlikely. Um, and the return on Hayes, I don't really like the prospect the Rangers got back. But other than that, and I should say I'm very just like a long uh, knowing sigh in terms of what the Rangers got returned for for Adam McQuaid. So I think the Rangers did okay. I think Jeff Gordon could have done a lot better. I listened to uh, what he had to say to the media in a conference call, a uh, press conference, uh, just a little while before the show, because I do try to prepare for the show, unlike some people here. And well, there's only one other person here, so that's pretty he, insulting. Oh, well, I'm glad you uh, you could do that process of elimination there, Tuts. Uh, I'm not. I don't know, Joe. Do, do you feel good? I feel like this was. It was a little underwhelming. I'm not deeply disappointed, but I'm just looking at all the deals that went on around the Rangers can kind of skew you how you feel because there are some big deals. Yeah, um, here's, but here's I don't feel like I'll... Gorton got as much as I would have liked, but he didn't get fleeced anywhere. Yeah, I th- I think I'll disagree with you in a sense oh, that son of a bitch, I was underwhelmed just like you were. But I was more underwhelmed at the market rather than Jeff Gordon. And I, I want to, I really do want to get into that. I fucked everything up, Joe. Because I, I think it's such a critical part. You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to start with it this way. Fuck it. Um, do it I truly believe that the two weeks leading up to and including the trade deadline, general managers, like your return is dictated by the market. I really do believe that. Any other circumstance, because I've seen a, a lot of nonsense came out after the Zuccarello trade because people had their own expectations and it's Matt Zuccarello. And I, I don't think you and I and a bunch of other rational people in this space were really prepared for the emotional outburst of like finally ripping that Band-Aid off. But th- if you're going to have an issue with anything... I knew it was going to be bad. I didn't know it was going to be this bad. It hurt. If you have an issue with oh, anything... Jeff Gordon did. It was allowing Hayes and Zuccarello, really Zuccarello, to get to this point of we're trading you no matter what. Because the most logical response to the Zuccarello deal, which, by the way, was market value. I mean, Nyquist went for the same deal without the conditions. So that's a player with a little bit more term. He's a little bit younger. Points are similar. You're talking about a comparable it's not like Je- and the people who think that Jeff Gordon could have negotiated a better deal. You're an idiot if you think that Jeff Gordon could negotiate trade partners. And, and I really don't call people. I I, I, I really it's, don't it's, like using that terminology. Yes, you do. You say I don't. I really don't. But like man. the the people who think that like Jeff Gordon didn't do his job by accepting that trade, he didn't turn down other better offers for this one. It takes two to tango. 
So the most logical response to the Zuccarello trade... You could, you could practice the tango just in front of a full-length mirror. But you're yourself. technically still tangoing with yourself. Now then, that's like an alternate dimension, you, if it's Well, that's, that's what it is. I don't know what to tell you. Um, what point was I making before you interrupted me? Oh, if you're going to be mad at anything, the most logical response that I saw to the Zuccarello trade for the people who didn't like the return was, well, they should have just re-signed him. And that's where if you want to be mad about something, be mad at the fact that Jeff Gordon did not sit down with Hayes or Zuccarello until like two weeks ago. And even that was bullshit, where Zuccarello said, I want five years. Apparently, Hayes wanted seven years, seven million a year. And the two sides walked away without anything. That was just for show. Because if Jeff Gordon met with Zuccarello back at the beginning of the year, and there was already tension. We had heard somebody had reached out to us back in the beginning of the year that, that Zuccarello, a source from Norway, was furious that David Quinn did not meet with him when he went to Sweden to see Lundqvist and Zabanajad. And he wasn't really talking to the media, and that was strange. And we decided not to report the story because we get a lot of tips, right? We get, a lot of people reach out to us with stuff like this, and it's very difficult to verify. So we knew that David Quinn didn't go to Norway. Um, David Quinn mentioned it himself, I think, a couple of days when somebody brought it up to him. We couldn't verify how angry Zuccarello was or was not. So now we know, just because it was mentioned in that fantastic story from the, uh, I believe it was a magazine slash website in Norway, that Zuccarello was hurt by that decision. The Rangers didn't negotiate with him at all. If Jeff Gordon would have met with him in November or even before that, even October, and just said, hey, listen, we're going to explore all options. We want to get this taken care of in the first half of the year. What would you need to stick around? And Zuccarello is right to ask for five years. This is the last big contract he's going to sign. He's coming off a four-year sweetheart deal to the New York Rangers. That's totally fine. But if the two sides are talking since November... And they find a common ground. And that common ground is a three-year whatever deal or a four-year whatever deal. And it's January. And Jeff Gordon puts out, hey, listen, we're legitimately going to re-sign him unless we get an offer worth taking. Then you can make a decision. Or, depending on Zuccarello's mood, you can even hang it out until the trade deadline, although I doubt very highly that that would have been a scenario. But Gordon couldn't do any of that because there was such bad blood between the two of them. Because he didn't reach out to them. All the media now, all they can talk about is the fact that he's gone and he's not coming back. And that was not the way that it felt a couple of months ago. So it has to be just this snowball effect of bullshit. And that's what it's come down to. The, the deal was fair value for what the market was. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you that. I know you wanted more because it was Zuccarello. He's a rental for whatever reason. He's not looked at as that kind of upper uh, like tier player. And he's not as good as Stone, obviously, but I do think he's in the tier below that. He can certainly help a team win. He had two points in 13 minutes with Dallas before he got hurt. But that was what the market was for him. And And again, Ottawa really, really gummed up the works. Yeah, and that's the, the market once again. Last year it was Carlson. This year it's Duchesne, and it was Stone. And I guess, in a sense, definitely stone. Dezingle? Is it Dezingle? Zingle, yeah, Dezingle. Zingle? The D is silent? No, you say the Dezingle, I think. The Dezingle? So, like, this is what the market was. So, if you want to be mad at something, don't yell into the void that Jeff Gordon didn't do a good enough job negotiating. This was very clearly the best deal on the table. And as unlikely as it may be, it could turn into two first round picks. Very. As unlikely as it may be. 
the conditions, if you don't know, you need to have uh, Dallas win the first two rounds of the playoffs. I, just, I went over this, play. you dope. Well, I was going to go over it again. Why? We have so much to talk about. Why would you repeat it? Did you raise your hand for this? No, I raised my hand for something else. Uh, well, my final point is, if you're going to be mad about the Zuccarello stuff, be mad that Gordon let it get to that far. Be mad, And it's his job to kind of read the market and see whether or not this exact situation was going to play out. And he didn't. So if you want to be mad at something, be mad at that. But the minute we got into this two-week window, you, you can't – if Nyquist would have went for a first-round pick, a prospect, and a third-round pick, yeah, you could be fucking furious about the return for Zuccarello. But that's not the case. Furious. So go ahead, Michael. What is your point? I should also say of all the teams for him to go to, Dallas is one of – there's a chance that Dallas's picks are not going to be super late and – um, you know, if if Dallas re-signs Zuccarello, it could be good news two years from now, um, which feels dirty and filthy to say. But but is it so crazy to think that Dallas falls in love with him the way that we did? No, it's really not. Is, um, is it so I crazy think, to think that if they fall short and he's a point per game player for them in the playoffs that yeah, they that they go for it? Him. Yeah, especially because but you know like Dallas is in such a such a peculiar position with all the negative attention with what's happened with, uh, you know, the front office and ownership and, and Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan. And, you know, they there's a lot of big questions there in Dallas and a lot of high expectations. So that is a very interesting scenario to watch unfold, especially uh, what Zook's role in all that is going to be. It's listening to Gorton's comments, like it's clear that you know, everyone knew that this was going on. Uh, we got that same impression uh, from David Quinn uh, talking after the Capitals game, right? And uh, that these were just things that it was hanging over the team. And in some ways, it's a relief. It's over. But, uh, you know, the team is ready to move forward. And the language that Gordon used is like, you know, he, he said something along the lines of, I thought we did about as well as we expected to. And then he kind of corrected himself and said, or even maybe better than we expected in terms of what they're able to get back. And I think a lot of that is tied specifically to those conditions on the Zuccarello picks. They they are long shots, but the second one is really not that much of a long shot that he might re-sign there. Um, I mean, it's it's hard to say just how especially at the time of the deal, which I'm trying to judge it by, because, you know, now that he has a broken arm, who knows what happens there in terms of, you know... Four weeks, supposedly. Yeah, four it was a clean is... break, so they just have to keep it together. Yep, but, you know, it, that could have an unfortunate impact that uh, cost the Rangers. But the other the other thing to kind of keep in mind here is it's going to be tough sledding for Dallas to win two rounds. Um, and I look at that deal as... Like you said, the market is what it was. It's a real shame that uh, that maybe there wasn't a greater effort on behalf of Gorton in terms of at least trying to court Zuccarello. And in my opinion, he should have been doing it early on, especially knowing uh, that he, you know, once this player is traded, he can't talk to Matt Zuccarello again until July 1st. And... If things left in kind of this bad blood situation, this is not a good... Like, there's... I know a lot of Rangers fans are holding out for the idea of Zuccarello making a comeback and a return. Um, you know, like on a sweetheart three-year deal... Uh, this doesn't feel like it anymore. It, it really just, doesn't. It just... It, that feels like an even bigger long shot, really, than the conditions being met on those picks. Because just it was a very 
unceremonious departure and knowing what we know about the negotiations or the lack thereof i don't know joe i disappointed is i feel like like disappointed but not for the return but disappointed in how the departure of such a valuable player on and off the ice uh was handled because how often do we hear this team talk about character and talk about like the right sort of players and players who compete and you know players who you know do everything they can do to be great rangers is there i mean you have henrik lundquist after henrik lundquist who has been a better ranger in the past decade. There, well there hasn't been and, and i think it's important to note that matt zuccarello may have been the most fun hockey player i've ever watched I don't even mean that from just the, like the whole package. I don't outside of Lundqvist for different reasons, because Lundqvist is like the magician. He 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 performs. He's like an artist. His performance is jaw dropping. But Zuccarello was always like the comedian, right? He was the performer. He was the dance. You know what I mean? Like he just he took the spotlight in so many ways, and people were retweeting their favorite moments. And I forgot the commercials with him that were so good. And it, it this team talks a lot about loyalty, and they talk a lot about what it means to be a New York Ranger, and that was not the way that they treated Matt Zuccarello, and that was the way that if anybody was going to be treated that way, it was Zuccarello, and this really did feel like there was an opportunity for the team to do a wink-wink listen. We're in a rebuilding phase. We need to ship you off to a contender. You give us some ideas of where you want to go. We'll do the best that we can. Let's have a discussion about what we can do over the summer, and it's illegal and it's collusion, and you're not allowed to do it, but nobody can really know that those conversations are happening. And if Zook really sat down and said, hey, I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to go to a content. Like, I, I want to stay. If you get rid of me, I am not coming back. Then that's something that they could have at least had a discussion about and known. And it's safe to say those conversations were not happening because they only spoke two weeks ago. And that's a damn shame. So like, like we've been saying, the return was fine. In fact, it's almost like a – it's like the Rangers, they're hitting on 16 with blackjack. You know what I mean? They may, they probably will bust. You're right. They probably won't get either of those yeah, conditions they'll probably met. get the second and the third. And but but then that it, is, it, it, there's value there. To say that's nothing, I mean, compared to what Zuccarello too, is, but sure, but it, come on. To me, like, I would rather have more of a – like, and I know you can't really do this because it's not fair, but I, I couldn't help but look back at the Grabner trade and think about what the Rangers got there. They got the second round pick and Igor Rikov. And that was like, okay, that was a great return for Michael Grabner. That that was one of those trades where it felt like the Rangers really got a lot. Um, they, they gave up a player who, you know, was obviously not going to be a valuable part of the team. Uh, they got a very good prospect who's really, his stock has either stayed the same or accelerated in terms of how much it's risen. And they used that second round pick, I believe, uh, to move up in the draft, I think. I don't know. I remember. I don't remember, I should say. Um, but the the thing with the Zuccarello trade to me is I, I it's so easy to say this. Like I would have preferred they get a prospect in a second round pick, but that might not have been what Dallas was selling. Um, and that's really, really important to keep in mind. And that's why I'm trying to not overstate my disappointment in the deal. My disappointment has more has to do with uh, I would have loved if Gorton found a way to negotiate something where 
you know, Dallas gets through one round. Um, you know, just el- any little thing to make it slightly more palatable. And in many ways, that's just me being greedy. But I look at, you know, what Zuccarello represents to the stars. Not what he represented to the Rangers, but what he represents to the stars. Because that's how you're going to get to a more fair price. And Zuccarello is a, is a very talented winger who's going to help their top six. He's going to make their power play, which already should look great, look better. And, you know, he's going to take some pressure off some big names there in Dallas. And he could be something that kind of gets them over the hump, of of course, if he didn't break his arm. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I look at that trade as maybe I probably have the least amount of issue with that trade of the three big deals. The And I, uh, you're ready to transition to number two. Do you want to do McQuaid or Hayes next? I think we should uh, let's go to Hayes because he's the next big one. All right, we'll do we'll do Hayes. The, the final point that I think Mike and I just want to make on this is, um, first of all, thank you, Zuccarello. If you you happen to be listening to this while you're recovering, you were. If, I think I called him in the article I wrote like the human embodiment of the Stephen McDonald's Extra Effort Award. Like everything you want in a hockey player, from the charity work to the off the ice stuff to just what he is in the locker room. That's Matt Zuccarello. And I totally understand wanting to trade him. I was completely for it. I still think it was the right decision. Even with the return, I still think it was the right decision. But that doesn't make it any less hard. And I think it could have been handled better. That's all. Um, as for Hayes, this is a little. This is another one where like it's mm. a different... It's just a different animal, right? So two first-round picks were thrown around at the trade deadline. The Rangers got one of them. And it was a... Kevin Hayes for a first-round pick, um, Brendan Lemieux, who is Claude Lemieux's son, and a conditional fourth-round pick that the condition is if Winnipeg wins the Cup. Um, we should say that the first-round pick is conditional. Um, it is lottery-protected. Yeah, it's protected from the top three, which yeah, at this point gonna, is yeah. very unlikely, but um, just something to keep in mind. So, it, look, the biggest thing of and especially, like, it, Stone didn't even get a first-rounder. I know that he got Brandstrom, who is maybe one of the top, you know, definitely one of the top prospects in Vegas' system, but maybe one of the top prospects in the NHL. I would say top 15, easy. And they got him, but he didn't even get a first-round pick. If you're going to trade Hayes, and the goal is to get back, you know, the players that could theoretically become Hayes or the the assets that could become Hayes, well, that's what that first round pick represents. And Winnipeg will likely be a very good hockey team. There are people who think there's something of a paper tiger. The quicker exit from the playoffs, the better in terms of the actual selection itself. But it's critical to get a first round pick back. And I think that's the most important part of the deal that can't get overlooked. Gordon waited. There was a deal supposedly out there in November. I don't know if it was better than this for Hayes. Ironically enough, it was Winnipeg. They've been circling each other for months. But he got his first round pick. The interesting part is Lemieux. He's a 22-year-old, really rough and tough player who probably projects out as a third-line winger at his absolute best. At his absolute worst, he's another Tanner Glass or another Cody McLeod. He I think had he's th- going to be better than that. I would, I would worst. agree with you that, but I want to give like the range of what he could be. Um, he's 22 years old. He's had, I think, he's played half the year with Winnipeg so far this year in the NHL, and his statistics are not great. 
But, you know, he's a 22-year-old playing on the fourth line of a really good team. It's not totally surprising. He had a fantastic year in the AHL last year. He's a guy who puts up penalty minutes. He's rough. He's tough. He's not the best skater. I'm not as down on him as a lot of people are because I think people hear toughness and they inherently back off and say, oh, shit, he's another one of those guys. Like, he can play hockey. And that's if this is a guy who can turn into a Brandon Prust-esque player for the Rangers or a Dorsett-like player for the Rangers, I think that goes a really long way to keeping the flies, and I don't mean that like guys hitting Rangers, I mean like the McLeods and the glasses off the team. I just don't like him as a prospect. Um, I completely and wholeheartedly agree with you that the first round pick is what matters here. It's great that they got that, especially because as you mentioned, uh, not a lot of firsts were flying around on this deadline. Um, my big thing with Lemieux is something that we, we saw a lot of uh, you know, the analytics community was very quick to point out that he was a guy who had a really high PDO um, in terms of his production this season in the NHL proper. PDO represents luck, by the it way. It is the, the, the luck be, statistic. It is yeah, the, we try to your, figure out luck. your team's shooting percentage plus your goaltender's save percentage. Uh, if it's north of 100 or 1,000, uh, depending on uh, which, which PDO site you look at, or looked at, I should say, because a big one recently shut down uh, for however long that'll be. Um, but he did have nine goals and two assists um, in 44 games uh, this season with Winnipeg Joe. 64 penalty minutes. Last season, as you said, 43 points uh, in 51 games with the Manitoba Moose. And in those 51 games, he had 170 penalty minutes. He had six fights. Um, a lot of a lot of good fortune in terms of his shooting percentage, especially at even strength. Uh, but I, I think it is important to mention, I, you know, I did do a deeper dive into his numbers just before the show at AHLTracker.com and Prospect-Stats.com. He definitely is a guy who draws more penalties than he takes. Um, I feel like maybe you could look at, you know, the Rangers maybe wanting to find something like uh, a Tom Wilson type player. I mean, and I, I say that not to be controversial, but because... I mean, well, that's what he is, right? Like that's he could be, what he, is. he could be like, a tougher Sean Avery again yeah, at he's his already, best. He's already been, you know, he was slapped with a two-game suspension this season uh, for a pretty blatant headshot to Vincent Trocheck uh, that earned him a two-game suspension sometime in November, if, uh, if memory serves. So, this is definitely a kid who plays with an edge. He's definitely a kid who's going to immediately come into this lineup. We've already confirmed that with uh, with well, Jeff Rangers Gordon have like and, five players, so they need yeah, bodies. <laughs> they definitely need some bodies. But it was interesting because Gordon was saying uh, this is a big opportunity for Brendan Lemieux, and he specifically said, you know, he should be able to get some some big minutes here and even potentially play up in the lineup, um, which was kind of interesting hearing Gordon say that. But I think a lot of people kind of acknowledge that Brendan Lemieux is going to be a guy who. So long as he draws more penalties than he takes and he doesn't do anything dumb in regards to penalties that hurt his team, he's a guy I think that David Quinn could really quickly fall in love with because of he's like every scouting report I've read today is just work ethic and hustle. Yeah, um, those, he's, and that, he's gonna he's gonna hammer shots on net. He I don't know what the big question is can he create his own offense? It's kinda like that Jimmy VC question. VC is Great at scoring goals, not great at creating offense. But looking at Lemieux, I, I feel like the big question is, can he do more than just skate through people? 
and slam shots on net. Uh, and it, I don't know. We're going to have to kind of see what he does. I think it's fair to say David Quinn is going to fall in love with him. He's a quintessential Quinn player. Uh, I think it's fair to say that New York Ranger fans are going to fall in love with him. Um, I think there is something to be said for the fact that he played on the fourth line all year with Winnipeg on and off. He, he only played 44 games, and he has 11 points at 64 penalty minutes, actually. Um, it, it's worth noting that he's he has shown the jumps that you would expect from a second round pick he was literally the pick like the first pick of the second round so he's almost like a first liner and for whatever reason or a first liner it's almost like a first round pick for whatever that's worth and for whatever reason as soon as the rangers got him teams were calling the rangers to see if they could somehow acquire him which I, i i don't really understand but fine um he was a top five scorer on barry in the OHL, total not uncommon at all. Tanner Glass was not, like not to cut you uh, off, Joe, but I, I wonder if teams were calling because they wanted to add grit for the playoffs. That was something that occurred to me that that wouldn't you know, would it surprise you if, if that was true? No, dude, that not was what all. I thought might be where that kind of scuttlebutt was from. Like he is a guy who a lot of playoff teams might really like the idea of having a Brendan Lemieux, uh, even because, as a black ace. Yeah, just because he's a guy you plug in, the spark plug guy. He, you know, on you know, right now for a lot of people, I think especially old school, uh, you know, guys in front offices and behind the bench might not think he's going to hurt you, um, but he's also going to skate through people, take the body, draw penalties. It's be an absolute fucking pest because that's kind of what his mo is, and that's what he that's what he's been. And you're the point that you made about penalties taken versus penalties drawn is a huge one. Because if he's drawing more penalties than he's taking, and he's playing with that edge, that's exactly what you want. There's value there, and yeah, the best the players who are best at drawing penalties are the super skilled guys of the world, like uh, you know the Connor McDavid guys, guys who have the puck, and the other guys are the guys who just piss people off. Yeah, they, they the just they get who, in your head. They just they make you take it. They throw a hit that's just a little late or a little high, and then you respond and your team. You get is the in, penalty. Those, those guys have box. value, and that's what they Lemieux do. is. And his fi- forty-three points in fifty-one games last year in the AHL. He had one hundred and seventy penalty minutes. First of all, that's like lot. that's impressive that he put up that much offense as a twenty-one-year-old in the AHL with that many penalty minutes. But as Mike pointed out, eleven of his assists were primary. So he had 30 primary points in 43 games. Granted, his shooting percentage was a little inflated. But you are seeing like the jump in offense that you would expect from an NHL player. And if a guy like Lemieux can add 30 points a year at the NHL level and not be a tire fire in his own zone and add that edge, that's all you need from a player like him on the fourth or even on the third line it's funny and, you mentioned that that's the big thing to me is what is this play like away from the puck well because- it's his defensive metrics for winnipeg in the nhl this year have been like atrocious oh that's good so but again you're talking about and yeah, I, I, I just want to watch film on him and i do him agree with I, jeff gordon in a sense that like when you're playing on the fourth line with fourth line players and winnipeg has had their fair share of the in and out nonsense on the fourth line like when you put Buchnevich down there or Hedl, what do you expect to happen? You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that Lemieux is on that level of prospect because he's not, but I'm curious to see what he does with a little bit more talent around him. And I'm curious to see what he does. Listen, if I have no issue whatsoever, I, the game against Washington, 
that the Rangers lost in overtime was one of the most fun hockey games I've seen in a long time. I don't mind the Rangers playing the gritty, in-your-face, go-fuck-yourself style of hockey. My issue is when you do that at expense of, like, talent. So a guy like Lemieux, if he can play hockey, he's a fine addition. But the Rangers better hope that that other stuff sorts itself out. Because he, I can see, being the toy David Quinn can't stop playing with. And we very well may get to a point where, and again, this is super exaggerating, why is Filipino being scratched so that Lemieux can play? That's that's the bottom end of this trade. The high end of this trade is, I fucking love that guy. Which is literally what Sean Avery was. It was what yeah. Brandon Prust was. The best case scenario to me is the Rangers maybe found... A sandpaper player who can be a middle six forward. I, I think a th- even a third line player. I don't even yeah, need a middle I, six. A third no, a I don't quality need him to fourth be a line player is fine player either, especially for what this trade was. But I, I feel like it's already kind of a like he's he is and it is going to be an NHL player. It's just a question of how complete his game is going to be and can he be more than the pest who you know kind of shows those flashes of oh crap you know he can kind of score every now and then you know like. I remember you and I were talking uh, with the, with the McLeod trade that at one point you know like McLeod at one point had a couple goals, fifteen over. goals, yeah, he was... yeah. But like, I want to make this abundantly clear: Lemieux is leagues and leagues better than Cody McLeod is in terms of puck skills and what he can <laughs> yeah, do. And, and Tanner stick. Glass, you could throw that out yeah, there and, too. And Tanner Glass, even with that amazing backhand of, of his, but um, going to score a goal, it might as well look like that. Might as well be the backhander in the playoffs. But looking at this Lemieux trade, I. I just find it very interesting, Joe, that the Rangers, in the in terms of the prospects they brought back in these last two deadlines, who do we have here? We have Libor Hayek, we have Ryan Lindgren, we have Brett Howden, and now we have Brendan Lemieux. And um, it is kind of interesting because... Not a lot of high skill there. And I know that these are the prospects teams are willing to give up, but these are kind of those depth character guys. Uh, Lindgren, that's what his game... He's just... He's just Brendan Lemieux on defense, more or less, but a little less agitating, more bigger, big hits. Yeah, and you don't you don't build like you need those guys to fill in the bricks, but you, those aren't foundation players. Yeah, and I the, which the makes Miller, me feel like this team needs to swing for skill and talent so much harder, which they've done with their draft picks. And th- th- this was the other point that, that I was going to sure. make: the Miller McDonough trade isn't grading out very well today, no. right? Than it was a year ago. Does not look but, good. It, this comes back to the point that Adam made that I keep re- finding myself repeating now. You're at an inherent disadvantage when you trade for other teams' prospects. So I really do think, because listen, Calgary was in on Hayes until the very end, according to reports. Like up up to Sunday night, they were in negotiations before they backed off. And what that tells me is they were offering a second-round pick and a prospect. And Jeff Gordon was waiting for a first-round pick, and he ended up getting one from Winnipeg when they backed off the stone sweepstakes. And the Rangers, I bet Dallas offered prospects as well for Matt Zuccarello. Jeff Gordon wanted picks, and he wanted them because you don't have to worry about not knowing something about a player. They know why they want to move that player. I'm sure there were prospects that were off-limits for every team for every negotiation. There's a reason why they're willing to move the guys they're willing to move. Did Iserman see something in, in Hayek that we, we didn't know about? The Devils wanted to move Rykoff or Rykoff because they were sure he wasn't going to come over with them. Brett Howden? I, I don't know. But that's the point. 
So the Rangers, as of this conversation, and actually it's not going to change, they have two guaranteed first-round picks this year. They have three guaranteed second-round picks this year. If Tampa wins the Cup, one of those seconds becomes a first this year. If Dallas wins two playoff games with the 50% of Zuccarello playing in them, that can become four first-round picks this year. Even if it doesn't, assume it doesn't, the Rangers have five picks in the first two rounds. And Mike is right. Dallas has an opportunity that pick has an opportunity to be a mid-level second round pick yeah that could be i mean and the rangers weird first second round pick should be a great pick like the rangers could pick four times in the first 40 selections the first 45 selections yeah that's an enormous for dallas because of the conditions but you know what if dallas yeah if they shit the bed that's fine too that's still kind of fine i think the worst result is they like make it to the playoffs do well in the regular season and then crap the bet. Yeah, you, you want it one way or another. But the Rangers have an op, and they swung for the fences in the first round last year. Kravstoff, Miller, Lundqvist were all fantastic selections. So long as they do that again this year. And the first two of those picks definitely uh, were go for the upside. I have no issues with the way the Rangers are moving forward. This is how you do a rebuild. If you have to build it through the draft, you build it through the draft. Oh, Joe, we should say the. Uh, I I know we're we're you know we covered all the bases with Hayes, but just to just before it slips out of my mind because this is an important detail I want to make sure to convey to our listeners the in the Adam McQuaid trade. Uh, so because the Rangers traded him, they met the conditions of that seventh round pick uh, that would go to Boston. And now did go to Boston. So, so that pick. So well, McQuaid, it was also if he played twenty five games, wasn't it? Oh, I don't remember that part of it. Yeah, just, that was, I know it was that 25 games or... Met, uh, no matter what. Um, well, either way, it's met. But the, the important thing here being that essentially the Rangers get back uh, a fourth round and a seventh round pick from CBJ. Their own picks are going to be in Boston. And Julius Bergman, uh, who's the prospect who came over, is not going to be much of a prospect. No, he's an NHL guy. He's one, he's kind of an NHL guy. He's a former second round pick. But he's already committed, I believe, to Frolunda uh, in the SHL next season. So, really, it looks like he's just a warm body for Hartford. And then we'll kind of never see him again, if, if reports are true. Um, He'll just you know, disappear I, into I, the sunset. And I pulled up that on, uh, on you know, uh, what is it, aptonbladet.se. Uh, There's no, an article great. about uh, about him heading over there. So, that is, it's not great. Um, it would have been nice if somehow the Rangers found a way to like my my whole thing was with McQuaid and my expectations were just get more than you gave for him and they didn't do that they kind of just got the same thing which means that you know McQuaid essentially was a log in a log jam uh depending on whether or not you believe like you know we've heard so many people say that he's benefited Brady Shea in some way or helped Brady Shea's game, which I think the numbers in no way uh, back up. Well, they're, they're, listen, it's old hockey men talking, isn't it? And really, Mike kind of covered the McQuaid trade in general. The Rangers got back a warm body. They got back the two picks that they lost to get McQuaid in the first place. They'll actually lose probably 15 draft slots in each the fourth and the seventh round just because Columbus yeah, is going to finish fun? a hell of a lot better. Yeah, yeah but that's, that's they, the worst part of that. They did the so to... Uh, yeah, that was it. Was just a stupid trade. It was an absolutely stupid trade. There was like a 15 minute period where Dreger was saying that the Rangers could get like a third round pick for him, and that was kind of exciting. But obviously, that didn't happen because really nobody got traded for uh, for anything enormous except for Stone and Duchesne. I actually don't think Ottawa did that bad, all things considered. Final thing, Michael. 
Um, Fogarty signed a one-year extension. So did, however, Boo Nieves, who I think is kind of – he was going to be an unrestricted free agent next year because he didn't play in enough games. There was like some weird clause. And now he's a 25-year-old 4C for the New York Rangers next year. I actually really like that signing. I love it. And he's richly deserving. And I also want to point out, because I'm putting together Rangers radar, Joe, uh, Stephen Fogarty just had a hat trick the other day. Um, and as it turns out, my sweet, sweet Joseph, with uh, your thighs full of cream, um, he's riding a six-game point streak in which he's piled up 11 points in Hartford as wow. of this recording. So You know who else is plowing through a point streak? Who's that? Anthony D'Angelo. That's right. Seven, seven games, right? Seven games. It's a career high. It's and all assists. And now he's got he's put, put he should be playing now right McQuaid's gone so yeah that's no the more other, of that um, you know it's a fun little stat for you Joe I'm ready for it In by the way seven... you should be reading Rangers radar it's very good oh thank you that's very kind of you to say uh, that's why I want to put bacon on your forehead and kiss you sweetly um, in that seven game stretch for D'Angelo that's eight assists uh, this hmm. season sixty three games Mark Stahl ten assists. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Um, final really thoughts here. There was some scuttlebutt that uh, Frederick Clayson was going to get moved. He yeah, wasn't. that was interesting, right? That uh, it's probably for the best, though. I think I prefer to keep him that. around. Yeah. But that um, kind of just goes to show that I'm sure it was a couple shrewd GMs who saw the underlying numbers there and the fact that I mean, if you just want a defensive defenseman in in terms of a modern NHL defensive defenseman who's responsible in his own zone and is great at preventing zone entries, maybe not so great at hip checks and, and you know punching people's noses through the back of their head. Clayson's your man. Um, I'm glad he didn't get moved. We also heard from two different sources, apparently, that at least one team, the Blue Jackets, inquired about Hank. Well, but, uh, that, was, that was debunked. Yeah. Oh, it was debunked? Okay. Well, Columbus asking about him was debunked. Uh, I don't I, know if the team legitimately did reach out. It wouldn't surprise me, and those conversations probably go like, hey, is Lundqvist available? And the Rangers say to Lundqvist, do you still want to be here? And he's crying, so they just say, yeah, I think he yeah, wants they, to be they here. Yeah, they like close the door and they say, okay, bud, yeah, okay. Uh, here's that's okay, going to be okay. Um, very last thing, Michael, I'm not surprised Chris Kreider wasn't traded. Are you? Neither am I. Um, there you go. If... if Seeing the impact of Zuccarello's departure, I it's funny because after the Zuccarello trade, I just got the feeling that Kreider's not going anywhere. Um, I feel like the winger market was really complicated. And, you know, uh, Gorton was already asked um, in that press conference about Chris Kreider's future. And he said, you know, he signed through next season. Uh, we're going to talk to him in the offseason. But right now, you know, they, they like him being in New York or, you know, whatever, whatever uh, standard wrote. Uh, response uh, that you know you just expect to hear, and I I'm not surprised he didn't go because there was some some smoke about it, and you know it felt like he would be a fit in a lot of places, but a lot of teams, including Edmonton, just just didn't do anything. Um, Which you know, is this surprising. was a very unique deadline in terms of there are just so many teams in the West. The West is so close, but the other part of it being so close is. There's a lot of teams who just don't know what the hell they are, yep. and they, they don't want to give up a lot to you know try and get how you know see how deep they can go. For instance, the Blues, who've been on this amazing run, made one trade for former Ranger Michael Delzato. Yeah, curious up, uh, why you're uh, so into the Blues. 
<laughs> yeah, well, it was very interesting that you you suddenly bring up the Blues, round. who no, did legitimately I mean, nothing during the trade deadline. But no, 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 let's talk about no, them. No, but that's mm. I feel like that because I mentioned like Edmonton also just stood pat because they're in their own transition. This feels period. like a ploy, just a game brownie points, conditional yeah, picks. For, just forget it. That's, that's I'm, trying what this to, is. I'm trying to be a good podcast boy, and you're yeah, you're trying to be a good boyfriend hate. is what you're trying to do. I don't like this. Because <laughs> I'm right. <laughs> no. First of all, I love Michael Delzano. I was going to mention it on the goddamn show, no matter what, you piece of crap. Of course you were. Just like Anthony Hopkins. Um, <laughs> Aiden Gaspar, Alex Gardner, Armiel Kistner, Andre Shikagoff, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Bob Kawa, Chris B., Chris Habibi, Dan Carosi, Daniel DeGen, Danny Santiago, David L. Singer, Eric Cohn, Eric Carlson, Fancy Lawrence, Gabriel Vargas, Fancy 50. Lawrence. Igor Zatlovsky, James Dangles, John Reppy, Johnny Lowe, Keith Franchillo, Guy from Montana, Michael Silvers, Mike Offit, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Robert, Thomas Osa, and Trevor Kempner. Thank you all for donating. You guys are the best. You're all did nicer you put, to me than Joe. Did you put uh, your Joe fucking address? <laughs> did you put your address out there? so that? By the way, I don't have my stickers yet. I think it's worth saying. You never gave me your address, and I purposely you, didn't send you, you stickers. You 100% have my address. I lose it all the time. Okay, well, that's that's the end send of it. Send it to me after the show. Um, I'll hopefully, send you your stickers and a middle finger in the mail. Hopefully, Zuccarello is from a, happy. From a hobo. I'll clip it off of a hobo with hedge trimmers. Well, this is taking a turn. Goodbye, ladies and gentlemen. Goodbye, en- folks. Enjoy Johnny Moore's sweet music. Sweet shreds. <laughs>